Leprosy was one of the great and terrible mysteries of the ancient world. Anyone caught with this horrible contagion or anything that remotely resembled it uh, was immediately exiled. Uh, As Leviticus tells us in that first reading, the one who bears the sore of leprosy shall keep his garments rent, so they were to wear rags, uh, and keep his head bare. They shaved their heads so that you could see that they were a leper. And muffle his beard, so they had to have dirt in their beard, uh, and cry out, unclean, uh, as long as they had the sore. Uh, and, and to dwell apart, to make them, their dwelling uh, far from the camp, so that they wouldn't come in contact with anyone. And what a terrible fate to lose your family and your livelihood and your whole life in one terrible moment. Uh, and to spend your days at a distance in a lonely community of exiles where you can see your family. You, you, you're close enough to see what's going on, but you can never uh, really enter into a relationship. And you couldn't really have it any other way in the ancient world because they couldn't cure it. It's contagious. They thought it was contagious by the touch. Uh, so the precaution was kind of necessary. And most, most people just assumed that the lepers must have committed some sin that they were being punished for. Because why else would God put them through this? Uh, and it kind of takes us back to last week's first reading in Job when he's kind of lamenting this terrible punishment. And it's right after his friends have told him, you need to repent, Job. Obviously you've done something to you know, force God to punish you for this sin. Uh, so you need to repent of that. And, and Job's kind of just saying, no, that's not the case. But, but people had to believe it because they just couldn't understand what was going on. Uh, but our gospel today presents us with something new. We have a leper here who has not lost hope, uh, who has great faith in God's mercy and kind of abandons himself to providence. Uh, so much so that he's willing to break the law. I mean, this first reading is from Leviticus. This is the law. They are not to approach anyone. Uh, Yet Jesus, something about Jesus, assures this leper that it's okay, that it's safe to approach him, and gives him the confidence uh, needed. And in the conversation between the leper and Jesus, we see kind of this disposition that we're all striving for in the Christian life. Uh, This disposition we should all have towards God. Uh, The leper says to Jesus, if you wish, you can make me clean. When we face great suffering or when we kind of confront our addictions and our sins, how do we approach God with them? Do we actually believe that he can heal us? Or do we kind of think that grace has limits? You know, we're going to get so far, uh, at least hopefully we won't get worse as we get older, you know? I don't want to be like my bitter uncle that I have. I at least want to stay, you know, as good as I am right now. Um, And maybe I'll slip into heaven. You know, maybe I'll make it. Uh, That fatalist attitude that's such a temptation for us is not at all the way that the leper approached Jesus. He is confident that that God can heal him. Yet, he's so confident that even if Jesus doesn't heal him, even if he chooses not to, he knows that God is at work in this situation, in his life. And what great faith. It calls to mind the kind of, what's called the principle and foundation of the Jesuits. And this is how it reads. It is necessary to make ourselves indifferent to all created things as much as we are able, so as to not necessarily want health rather than sickness, riches rather than poverty, honor rather than dishonor, a long life rather than a short life, so, and so in all the rest, 
so that we ultimately desire and choose only what is most conducive for us to the end for which God has created us. That's a really profound way to approach life. And that's the way that the leper approaches Jesus. Because it has at the core the one thing that really matters, and that's to love and serve God. Uh, This great act of faith, Jesus is moved with pity. He stretches out his hand and touches this leper. And in doing so, he says, I do will it, be made clean. The great Trappist uh, commentator points out that Jesus' words are really weird here. So he says, be made clean. I don't know if any of you are, are English nerds, but it's the passive imperative. No one speaks like that. It's really weird. But it actually calls to mind another command in the scriptures uh, that's really similar. When God says, let there be light. And so Jesus, the word who created the whole universe uh, out of nothing, in a sense, recreates this leper. Uh, He kind of brings him back to fullness uh, and recreates him and makes him whole. And this is the whole reason that Jesus comes among us. Is, is to recreate us, to make us whole, and to heal us. Uh, and something that the church has taught unceasingly through the ages is the call to holiness. Uh, God doesn't come mere, to merely justify us. He's not going to drag us to heaven despite ourselves. He actually wants to call us to holiness, to be great, uh, to be saints. And he doesn't settle for saving us in our fallenness. And so Ash Wednesday's coming. We've got, we got three days here. And uh, it's time to examine ourselves. Uh, we continually see in the scriptures that physical healing is always secondary for Jesus. You know, he does heal people physically. But it, more, than, more than anything, it's, it's usually a sign that he's forgiving their sins. It's a physical sign to us that, he, that he's healing us spiritually. Uh, so we examine ourselves spiritually. What are my addictions? What are my sins? Where do I need God the most in my life? And if, if you don't know yourself uh, well, then this is your assignment this Monday and Tuesday. Really give a good examination. And if you don't know by Tuesday, then just ask your spouse or your siblings, and they'll tell you all your faults in about two minutes. <laughs> I'm not giving you free reign to tell each other you know, their faults without them asking. But, uh, but it's good to know. And, and why would I assign such a downer of a task? You know, we should be focusing on the positive of the spiritual life. And that's true. Sometimes we need that. But if you look at the greatest athletes, uh, the greatest musicians, the greatest artists, it's not, they aren't people who are great because they practice the most. They put in the most hours. They actually just practice smarter than everybody else. Uh, Jaska Heifetz, who's one of my favorite violinists, he's the greatest violinist of the early 20th century. And he only practiced four hours a day. Uh, I mean, his life was to play the violin, and he only practiced four hours a day. And it wasn't because he was lazy. It was because those four hours were brutal, tedious practice in all the areas in which he was weakest. Um, so those four hours were way more effective than eight hours of just practicing the things that he was good at, uh, and way more difficult. Uh, and that's why he was so great. And that's what we need to do in the spiritual life. Uh, this last Lent, don't just let your, your penance be the same penance you always do, which is usually a place that you're comfortable. Uh, do a penance that's specific to an area in which you feel you really need the Lord to work. Uh, so if you're prideful, do menial, humiliating work and, and tasks around the house. 
You know, if you eat too much, fast. If you're addicted to your TV, put it in your storage room for Lent. Uh, if, if you're addicted to your phone, anyone under 35, probably in here, uh, go back to a dumb phone for Lent. It's, it doesn't cost any more. It co- probably costs a little bit less. St. Bernard of Clairvaux tells us that continual effort towards perfection is reputed as perfection. Uh, so you work towards perfection, and the Lord gives you credit. So it's not, uh, it's not about being perfect. It's, it's about that continual struggle, because the Lord will always get us, give us what our heart desires. And if our heart desires him, he will give himself to us. So finally, we'll take one last look at this gospel. At the end of the story, we see Jesus, who remained outside in deserted places, and people kept coming to him from everywhere. The beginning, the leper begins in exile. He's out in exile because, because he has leprosy, he's separated from everyone. Jesus heals him and sends him back into the city uh, to spread the word. And then he himself takes this exile upon his own person. He takes the suffering of the leper upon himself. Uh, In our lives as Christians, we are called to do the same. We're called to be united with Jesus in this suffering. So in Lent, we go out into the desert, into this exiled place to be with the Lord, to suffer with him, and to to grow in love through that suffering, not just for its own sake. Uh, And we never do that alone because he is always there with us. So this Lent, be courageous. Uh, Enter into the desert with the Lord. And if you do, you will find yourself transformed.